Chicken eyes. <laughs> All right, chicken eyes. Makes it much more Okay, here we go. Are we on? Yeah. First of all, I just want to say thank you for your support and your prayers. Many of you know that this was not an easy trip for me physically. She's speaking pretty loud, Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> That's about all the voice I have. Yeah, there's some seats in here. The children have moved, so y'all come in. in. Yeah, I was using my teacher voice. I thought it got all the way to the back, but maybe not. Is that better? Okay. You're doing good. Thanks, Richard. But I did have some struggles physically, health-wise, while while I was out. But even with that, God is victorious. Yes? Amen. Amen. Uh, I sent a message back to, to pray because my knees were really bothering me. The stairs at the first place we, that I had to climb every day, many times a day, were probably a foot and a half to two feet deep. Yeah, so I'm holding onto the railing, pulling myself up, and uh, we stayed in a in an ashram, which is uh, like a retreat center for uh, the gurus, except it has now become Christian, but uh, there's no windows, so it was all dark, and there was no light unless you climbed those stairs to the rooftop. And that would have been one, two, three flights of those, plus the flight to get into the building. So needless to say, that was not an easy time. So the light that came to me came from God's word, came from God's word. And I was in Psalm during that time, and I was reading in Psalm 89 and going through hurt knees, a bit of diarrhea that got really worse. You know, all of these kind of things. And we didn't have times of ministry during that time. We had times we were doing our last week of lecture. And then uh, we did some prayer walks. We did get out and do some prayer walking. And we got to ride down the Ganges River and, uh, and meet people out. But not a whole lot of ministry at that point. Uh, but during that time, I was reading in Psalm 89 and... I got to some of the verses in that psalm that says, I will declare his faithfulness. I will praise his name. I will tell of all the mighty works he's done. And I I just begin to ponder on those things. I will, I will, I will do these. In the midst of this circumstance that for this body was tough. But I will do this. And the Lord challenged me on that then to go through the Psalms and find those I wills. Find all of those I wills. What will I do? Not the I wills that God. I look for those as well. But I was particularly looking for the ones that were for me. That I needed to step out and and say, yes, I will do this. Regardless of what's going on in the body. And many of you that have gone to Peru and other places, Peru with the Crossway and Camille, you with traveling and teaching, you know there are times when you're out that you just don't think you can put that foot in front of it, the other one to move again. And God said, 
That's why he was challenging me with the I wills. After those three weeks there in Varanasi, we moved to Bodhgaya, which is in the state of Bihar. And that's the city where Buddha got his enlightenment. Yes. And there is an 80-foot statue of Buddha there. And this was a special time that we arrived because the Dalai Lama came. And so we had an influx of people from the nations around come in. I think I heard somewhere between a million and two million more people come in to this small little town because Dalai Lama was there. We knew that he was coming, but he was supposed to have come in past years and something came up and he didn't. Um, and we knew that this is called the, the Kala Chakra. It's a special indoctrination, so to speak. And Buddhism has levels and it's moving up another level. And the people were coming because they hadn't been able to come in three years because Dolly hadn't come. And they were coming to get that move on up to the next level. And so they were everywhere. We did, we did a prayer walk around the big Buddhist temple that's there in the, like in the outer courts. If we think about the tabernacle, it would have been in the outer courts, just walking around. And uh, one of our guys thought we should do that seven times. How many of of you were there? There were 15 of us. There were 15 of us, but four of those were small children under 10 and under. And so the the four boys and their mother did not do this. So if you look at that, we had 10 of us that that marked. Well, and at that point, we had two more that joined us. So we had 12. Um, That's another another story. (laughs) But all of that to say, we did that prayer walk. And then we got, we went into the inner courts another day and walked around and prayed and just looked to see. And what the thing that I saw is they're just walking around. The Buddhists are just walking around and fiddling with their beads that they have and chanting whatever it is they're chanting, I don't know. But I just saw an aimlessness, just going around in circles. It's almost like uh, the guinea pig on his wheel, yeah? (laughs) And it's just going nowhere. Uh, So at, at that time, that was one of the things that we were involved with. But my most favorite part was getting to go out into the villages in Burgaya. We worked with... Let me back up. We worked with a children's home. There's an Indian man, I think he's about 27, 28 years old, that had been going to the train station for a few years and ministering to the children at the train station, the homeless. And they, some of them wanted to come and live with him. So he took one or two of them home, and then there were more. He didn't have room to take them, so they have found a building, and he has 20 kids now. In this, in this building, um, 14 boys and six girls, I think. And they're not supposed to have girls and boys in the same building. So he's looking at another property. And as soon as I get information on that, I will send to you guys and let you see what it is and how we possibly could be involved in that. I, I think that I need to raise about 10,000 U.S. dollars in order to buy this property and build these buildings. Can you imagine? Wow. Just think of what we pay for a house here, yeah? Mm-hmm. To buy this property and to build a couple of buildings, one for the girls and one for the boys. But the children range anywhere from probably four or five years old up into teenage years. Wow. 
and we would stay behind. We broke our team up into two teams, and we would stay behind. One team would stay behind with the children, and we would help out at the home with cleaning and cutting vegetables for lunch and and schoolwork when the kids came back from school, those types of things. And another would go out into a village. Uh, We might drive for an hour. We might drive for two. But these are villages whereby fellowships have been started. And this young man, Anirut is his name, he has started over 200 fellowships in the surrounding villages. And my favorite story is one that I got to see the fellowship start. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. We were able to go, uh, first. the first part of our time, we were able to go to this one village, and we would train them. We did what they call T for T training, teach for training. And uh, we would give them, for instance, my job was to share the story of the Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well, and how that as she went back to her village and shared her story and shared God's story and gave an invitation, you have another fellowship born. So we were doing this in one village and uh, challenging them to go to their village or to another village and share their story and share God's story. And a fellowship was born. So we got to go to that new fellowship, our last one of our last days there, And in doing that, this is the story that I really want to share with you this morning. Uh, After we were finished, there was a family that was interested to learn more about Jesus. Wouldn't we like to see that in America? A family that's interested to learn more about Jesus, to hear more about Jesus. So we went to their home. And... The husband and the grandmother and the children were sitting around. They wanted to hear more about Jesus, but the wife did not. She did not want to hear at all. But they had her, they eventually were able to get her to come and sit with them. Well, you could tell by her countenance she didn't want to be there. Yeah? We've we've sat that way sometimes, right? God wants us to do something or. As, as children growing up, mom wanted us to do something. We would do it, but boy, oh boy, we weren't too excited Your about that. My wife wants you to do something. Oh, well, I'm not going there, Richard, uh, but that's okay. So, but uh, be asked, one of the the young men that works with Anirud sat down on their mat there and shared Jesus, just shared the story, shared the story, and uh, the husband was ready to receive. The grandmother was ready to receive. The wife's still like this, you know. But as he talked more, you could see her countenance begin to change. Well, part of the reason she's like this, she had a necklace on, a witchcraft necklace. She had been involved in witchcraft. Okay, so that, the spirit, the spirits that we were praying about this morning, you know, binding their powers, well, that had her bound. But she was wanting to know the truth. So somebody came over and cut that off of her. The change in her countenance was amazing. Her eyes lit up. And that day we saw a whole family come into the kingdom. Isn't that exciting? That is remarkable. That is remarkable. And another new fellowship born. And that's the multiplication 
that God has for us, that Jesus has. He sent them out two by two. Mm -hmm. So they went out two by two into this village and shared. And people were interested and gave their lives to Jesus. And then as they're sharing in the village, others are wanting to hear more. And that's all it takes is we share. We go, we share my story, (laughs) we share God's story, and we give the invitation. Four easy steps. And this family heard of Jesus before? Had not heard of Jesus before. No. Had not heard of Jesus before. Huh? We do have Bibles in in Hindi for them. Uh, Some cannot read. Some can. Uh, So they do have that available when when they become believers. But they try to keep the the fellowship small, as small as they can. Um, Some of them grow, and then they, they split, but they grow... And because, of course, as we're walking through the villages, we've got white faces and, you know, we draw a crowd anyhow, right. anywhere we go. Um, you would be have some of the same in Peru to a degree um, or anywhere else in Japan where you were when I was in Singapore, uh, in the Philippines where our team is now. We have white faces. We're going to draw crowds <laughs> because we're different. Yeah. Um, but all that to say... God was faithful. Even in my frailty, when I'm still trying to put one foot in front of the other to keep moving for that day, God is faithful. And that's the story. I I shared the story of the woman at the well with the people. And, uh, And then I would share my testimony at the end and then ask one of them to share their testimony. And it was just amazing. Just amazing. We saw people delivered. Uh, we prayed for deliverance and we saw those demons leave. Some of them were easy, some were not. We saw healings take place. I shared my testimony from my car wreck and, and how God moved on my pelvic girdle and set that all up at what was supposed to be a women's ministry of about four or five women. And we had probably a hundred people there of children and men and women and all sorts so, but after I shared that, and then we asked for people that wanted prayer, this young man came forward and wanted to pray because he'd had that same kind of thing. We didn't have any men with us, and only the men are supposed to pray for the men. But he gave permission for the lady that shared about what God did for her to pray for him and to actually put my hand on his forehead, which is a no-no. And, um, and as I prayed, he began to feel... I don't know, a heat or a tingling or something. And I asked him when we were done, I said, how's that feel? He said, it feels better. So I had him stand up, and then I had the translator ask him again a little bit later, how does that, without me standing there, because sometimes they're going to tell you that because you're there. Uh, I said, ask him how he's doing. And he came up to the front, and he said, before, I couldn't do this. And he's crossed his legs and just sat straight down and got right back up. So we saw a healing take place as well. Um, just mighty, mighty things. And these, these kids, have they came alive. Our team did. You know, some of them weren't real sure when we first started. And, you know, how do I do this and all. And so I shared my parts of the story. But theirs are even more because of the way God's changing their lives. The way God's changing their lives. And Rebecca, you know some of that from 
maybe the first time you went to Peru and what an impact that had on you, right? Yeah, and and others as well. And even as adults, when we do that and we just go out and we see, what a change, what a change. And so I thank you for giving me that opportunity and for supporting me to do to do that, both financially and prayerfully. And I was grateful to have a gal on my team by the name of Martha, who mother is friends with Jill and so she was able to get information back and forth when I could not because we didn't have Wi-Fi but she had um, data that she could use that her mom was paying for for her so we were able to get some messages back and forth I sent Bill a picture of a of an instrument that I thought he might be interested in that was just it was just fun and a little video to hear but it looked like an accordion sitting on the ground and they played here, and then he pumped the back part of it. It was just interesting, was it not? Yeah, yeah. So, anyhow, thank you very much. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Carol. Sometime this week. Sometime this week. I don't have the dates yet. Okay, excellent. Just when I get in my car and drive.